Lighting the way forward. Hello, this is Anthony Day with the Sustainable Futures Report for the 15th of April. And another opportunity to hear my interview with David Emsley of Novalux LED Limited. This week the Sustainable Best Practice Exchange takes place. In fact, it'll all be over by the time you hear this. I'll tell you about it next week, about the launch of the Sustainable Best Practice Mastermind Group, and how you can get on the waiting list, and about a whole load more sustainability issues. But first, here's David Emsley, lighting the way forward. David, right, I'm talking to David Emsley at Novalux LED. Good afternoon, how are you? Fine, thank you David, thanks for agreeing to take part in this. It's our pleasure. David, we've um, abandoned filament lamps a long time ago because people said they were expensive and not very efficient. And we replaced them with uh, compact fluorescent lights, sure. which people don't like very much because they take a while to fire up. Yeah. And with halogen and with LEDs, but people didn't like those very much when they first came out. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think LEDs four or five years ago um, were very much... Uh, underpowered for what was needed commercially. I mean, they were fine for literally Christmas tree lights and um, brake lights of posh cars. Um, but really, when people started looking at them commercially, they weren't in wh- white LED in an office, for instance, and they really weren't powerful enough. But technology's moved on a great deal in the last three or four years, and that's why it's really become practical now to use LED in a commercial environment. Okay. Now, I think of a, an LED as a single spot, if you like. I think one of the criticisms was it was a very focused beam as well. Sure. Has that changed? Well, you're sitting under LED panels as we speak, so hopefully that <laughs> not great to demonstrate on the radio, so to speak. But, um, yes, LED has moved on an enormous amount. I mean, the first thing is that the technology is now about four or five times more efficient than fluorescent in terms of the amount of light that is generated for a given wattage. So that means that we can now get five times as much light for the same wattage or the same light for a fifth of the wattage and therefore a fifth of the cost. But the sort of fittings that these are now being put into, it's not usually a case of a direct replacement of an LED bulb into an old fitting. Now they're nearly all new fittings to use the LEDs much more effectively. And as you can see in these panels we have in an office here, um, they create a square block of light rather than a whole series of little tiny pinpoints of light, which is much more practical and uh, and very effective in an office environment. So the whole of that square is illuminated. It's not just the light shining behind it. No, it's not. That's actually an edge lit panel, which means it's got about 40 LEDs down each side and they shine sideways right and then there is a diffuser panel on the front which which evens the light out so you get a spread of light across that whole square panel as opposed to a series of little spots right okay now a fluorescent tube is a tube yes how would you replace that with an led okay um the main way you can in fact get led tubes that go into the same old fittings and literally replace it tube for tube um the, they tend to have um, a whole series of little Kitten. LEDs down the line of the tube. Um, and, of course, the science is completely different. Um, the electrics is quite different as well. So we do have to make quite a few adjustments to the electric setup of the, of the fitting, behind the fitting, mm-hmm. um, to make that work. Um, I mean, for instance, LEDs 
uh, work on direct current, whereas fluorescent and most other lighting works on alternating current, mains alternating current. So we have to have a small transformer, uh, or a driver as it's called in the industry, to, to actually change the 240 volts AC uh, to 40 volts DC to actually drive these uh, these new lights. So there's quite there are there are some changes like that, um, but primarily uh, we can change it like for like. Um, we're also now finding the latest technology of LED is we get a strip of LED um, which is continuous and it's, it's what's called without going too technical it's called a chip on board or a COB which means that the LEDs are mounted directly onto the back plate of the light fitting okay. um, and it's bonded on so that you get a continuous strip of LED rather than individual little little points and that's better because the lighting is spread over a wider area. Right so that's why you said it's uh, more efficient to actually replace the fitting. Yes the, the, that's one reason the other reason is quite often we find that old fittings particularly the halogen you've probably got lots of little tiny halogen down lighters in your kitchen or your bathroom at home or maybe in an office in a reception area or a showroom for a retail mm-hmm. showroom yeah. um, those little halogen LED uh, sorry halogen down lighters run at 240 degrees centigrade mm. which is pretty hot yes um, it, as you know, if you ever try and change one, <laughs> you've got to let it turn it off and let it cool for quite a long time before you can touch it. Um, now, the problem with those lights is that they are in fact heaters, not lights, if I can put it that way. Right. They're a heat source that have light as a side effect, and they've got to get so hot that they literally start to glow white hot right. before they generate light in the in the visible spectrum. Um, that is incredibly inefficient. LEDs are not heat sources. LEDs are, are an electronic light source which has heat as a minor side effect as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're much more efficient. So um, the problem with that, in the old halogens, is we find quite often that heat has actually damaged the fitting. So when you take out a halogen light, if you try and put an LED bulb into an old halogen fitting, quite often it fails quite quickly because it's the fitting itself that's been damaged. Okay. Okay. And, and from a fire point of view, by the way, which is a side effect, I would be, I've looked at quite a lot of these now. And if you look behind the halogen fittings in a ceiling space, for instance, um, I was in one shop recently that had five or more of these in every one square polystyrene ceiling tile. Right. And the inside of the tile was blackened. Not, not the fittings, the whole tile was blackened inside and all the wiring was brittle and cracking because of the heat. Mm. So frankly, if you come across anything like that, then, well, A, don't go into the venue because <laughs> it's extremely dangerous. Yes. But um, and the heat being generated was is just massive. Yes. Well, if you're going to change out the fittings though, this has obviously got uh, an implication for the cost sure. if you're going to put uh, LEDs in. And now that can be offset by what it actually costs to run in terms of power Absolutely. and how long they last because Absolutely. Uh, you don't have Those to are the two key issues, yes. I mean, first of all, LEDs last a lot, lot longer than the older style fluorescent or halogen. I mean, usually up to 10 times as long. I mean, most LEDs now are rated up to 50,000 hours, which is 20 years. Wow. Uh, at 50, 50 hours a week for 50 weeks of the year. Is, that's, mm. That works out to 20, 20 years. Now, obviously, if you manage to get a fluorescent 
or a halogen to last more than about 12 to 18 months, you're doing extremely well. So one of the major differences in cost, yes, they are more expensive to put in, but then you're saving all of the product replacement and maintenance issues yeah. for 20 years down the line. Um, the other thing is, as I mentioned earlier, they're much more efficient electrically. So the fact that we can actually um, get four times the, the light out of the same wattage means that when we fit these, nearly always we find that there is a saving of 50 to 70% of the client's energy bill mm -hmm. by using these different lights instead of the ones they've already got. Um, now that's that translates obviously into money. And although it isn't cheap to put LED lights in, um, we always do, We, our particular company, Novalux, do a energy assessment to make sure that the saving uh, enormously outweighs the cost. Um, yeah. And we find that we usually get a payback, in other words, how soon it is that the amount you've saved equals the cost you've spent. Yeah. Um, we get a payback usually within two to three years okay. with a product that's then going to last 15 to 20 years down the line. Right. Right. Um, in comparison, solar, which is a different area entirely, but um, most people in that industry will be very pleased to get a payback in the eight to ten years mm -hmm. timescale. Yeah. So this is vastly more effective, yes. I would argue, than, yes. than solar. Yes. Um, how rapidly do LEDs light up? Because CFLs take a while to warm up. Immediately. 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 It's, it's a completely different process. As you rightly say, fluorescent, either CFLs or the bigger tubes, um, have a chemical reaction going on within them. Um, and they have to get started. Um, and they, to, to start a fluorescent tube, you literally need what I would maybe slightly emotively, but I would call it a lightning bolt. I mean, it needs usually around 10 times the voltage of the standard mains voltage, so 2,400 volts almost like a lightning bolt going through a tube mm -hmm. to get it to start, to get the chemical reaction to start inside the tube. Um, and the light of the fluorescence is the side effect of that chemical reaction. Um, so you, first of all, you need the electronics to make it start, mm -hmm. and then you need that process to, to get going. And usually it flickers three or four times before it actually establishes itself as a, as a regular uh, reaction going on. So that all takes a, a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, it also, fluorescent and halogen, needs to warm up to get to the effective operating temperature uh, before the side effect of the light yeah. takes effect. Yeah. So that, as you say, takes a few seconds. Um, LED doesn't go through that process. It's an electronic process where a clever diode, a literally a light-emitting diode, which is what the LED stands for, um, that um, is an electronic process so passing electricity, passing power through the electronic circuit directly generates light. Okay, starts straight and away. And it starts straight away. So it comes on and, and you know, literally you can't tell any delay at all. Right. Now some people say it's a very harsh light. Yes, there are a number of different shades. I mean, we could call them colours in a way, but they're all white. Mm -hmm. um, but they're marginally different shades of white. So yes, there are. there is at the harsh end, if you want to call it that, uh, of cool white, which in um, technical terms is usually around five to 6,000 Kelvin, which is quite a harsh light. It's the sort of light that you might want 
in a laboratory or in a scientific environment or uh, sometimes in uh, a cool store or somewhere like that, maybe in the cold aisle of the supermarket. Um, but then you can also get um, LED lights which are at different areas of the visual spectrum, so the visible spectrum, I should say. Mm -hmm. So that's usually there is a, a, a mid white or a natural white in around the 4000 Kelvin range, and then also a warm white which is down into the 2700 to 3000 Kelvin range. Now, I think the best way to explain it is if you have a natural light in the middle, which is, is, is reasonably like natural daylight, and then you've got a slightly harsher bluer light, which is the cool end, and a slightly warmer or, or orangey, apricot-y sort of colour at, uh, at, the, at the warm end. So it's, it, to some extent, it is a, a, a personal choice. We're finding that most clients in offices go for the middle one or possibly the, the 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 warmer, slightly yellowy. Mm -hmm. well, sorry, it's not really yellow, but very tinge. You remember the um, the white shades that you, that of paint that came out a few years ago, and mm -hmm. you can actually hardly see the difference until you actually put it on a wall and you get the yeah. overall impression. Yeah. So it's very marginal change, but it makes a difference. Yes. So these are a solution for lighting in commercial and industrial situations. Is the domestic market catching up on this? Yes, it is. Um, I think the problem with domestic market is, well, from, from our point of view as, inst as installers or distributors, um, the orders in, in one house are comparatively low value, mm -hmm. yet we've got to send people in. Uh, you know, so it's not a realistic proposition for us as a company right um, but clearly there are now large numbers of LED lights starting to come into the B&Q's of this world so there will be lots of places where individuals can go and buy lights um, a lot of people have tended to buy LED to replace halogens in these little down lighters mm -hmm. I was talking about mm -hmm. and then putting those into the old fittings and then finding they still fail and there's an issue so I would certainly recommend that uh, we certainly always change all of the fittings, um, which is obviously a larger cost. But um, there again, if the lights are going to last for ten or your ten years or longer, and and uh, you know, as opposed to replacing your little halogen yeah. downlight yes. literally every few months, yes. so you can imagine the overall product cost over a ten-year period is a lot lower. Yes. Um, yes. But yes, th that is coming. Um, there are one or two companies in the energy market who are starting to offer free lights if oh, you yes. switch to their particular supply, mm -hmm. um, which is an interesting proposition and uh, you know certainly worth, worth considering. But we concentrate more on the larger um, installations, offices, uh, factories, warehouses, hospitals, schools, uh, gyms, you know, these sort of places where there tend to be large numbers of lights and a very large electricity bill, yeah. which makes yeah. a big difference when yeah. we can actually cut that down by a significant percentage. Yes. So how far have LEDs been adopted? I mean, what's the potential in terms um, of... Uh, the, at this stage, still comparatively little in the commercial market. And the latest research I've seen is that the market penetration is about 5 or 6 or maybe 7%. So 93% haven't changed yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the predictions are that it will be LED will be up to 75 percent by 2020 so in four years time now wow. now that is an immense change between here and here and then yes 
And there are a number of reasons for that. First of all, of course, there's the economic argument. Um, I mean, if we can save a large company literally tens of thousands of pounds, then that's a very good reason for them to install. Yep. But the secondly is very much the environmental argument. Because when energy doesn't need to be used, I mean, yes, it's good from the bill going down, but the thing that I keep um, trying to explain to people is that the key is that energy that isn't going to be used doesn't need to be generated. Right. Yeah. You know, so by reducing the demand, yeah. we can actually ease pressure on the supply. And as we all know, there are big issues about power stations and you know what is the most cost-effective way to generating electricity. Um, what do we do as the fossil fuels gradually run out? And what alternatives are there? And I can see an immense amount of concentration on the generation side. You know how how effective is solar or wind or tidal or or any other um, generation technology? But there's two sides to that coin. You know, don't just worry about the supply side. If we could all use a lot less, then that would make life a lot better as well. Yeah. Um, and I think LED lighting is certainly the most likely way that we can all use a lot less, whether it's in the home or in, in business. And if we all save 20, 30, 50% of our usage, then that would have an enormous impact on the issues we have on the supply side. Yeah. So we'd be saving money, saving electricity, and saving carbon. Very much so. We, we're doing a job with a large office block in Leeds at the moment. I mean, admittedly, it is quite a large building. But they are going to save nearly 200 tonnes of carbon a year from their, just by changing their lights. Yes. So this isn't an insignificant change. You know, you've got to drive an awful lot of hybrid cars, an awful <laughs> lot of mileage, <laughs> to save that sort of amount. So, you know, 200 tonnes, I mean, we've set ourselves a target um, within the next five years of saving Yorkshire-based businesses, which is where we're based, um, 10,000 tonnes of carbon yeah. by helping them to change and save money. Right. Now, that's our personal target. But, you know, again, if there were more people doing this, then you add up these sort of things and they really do have an impact mm -hmm. over a national and an international stage. Mm -hmm. I'm very frustrated when I hear all of the noise, for instance, about the um, the conference, the, the, the um, environmental conference in Paris a few weeks ago. I mean, it's all very well saying we are going to reduce our emissions. Mm -hmm. And yes, I mean, we all agree that's clearly what needs to happen. But there seems to be very little discussion about how we'll actually do it. I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I go to a conference this evening where they're well, going to indeed. discuss exactly that. Indeed. So, you know, I'm, we're, we're trying to take our message to the business audience that there is a way that they can save money and also be part of that movement to reduce carbon emissions in general. And, uh, but I'm very well aware that businesses, they might well talk about the excellent side effects environmentally of doing the right thing but what gets a business to actually make a decision usually is a directly relevant personal financial decision right. you know if we can save money then we will do it because that will benefit us directly right and i think lots of people if they can see that there is an environmental benefit as a side effect then that's great yeah. of course we're all delighted yes. Yes. but the driver is the money it is it's always the driver isn't it yeah so, from where you're sitting, David, the future looks bright, illuminated by LED. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
There are, yes, very much so. I mean, that's why I started this business a couple of years ago, because I could see this opportunity um, and being a really big opportunity over the next few years. So, so yes, we, we are very, very positive about it. And we are finding, even as a comparatively new small company, we are now getting to the stage where we are talking to remarkably large organisations about what they can save. And, you know, we're talking just in the last week, I've had three new opportunities, two for very large hospitals and a third for a very large chain of gyms, national chain of gyms. And collectively, those three companies, if they changed all of their lights to LED, would save collectively at least a thousand tons of carbon a year, just in those three right. units, let alone all the hundreds and hundreds of others that are out there. So we can collectively make a difference. And I'm delighted to be part of you know, a drive to bring that opportunity and bring that saving to individual businesses and also to society as a whole. David, thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks very much for the time, Tony. Thank you. David Emsley there of Novalux LED Limited. If you want to find out more, you can contact him on 01904 891213 or david.emsley@novaluxled.lighting. Now I'll spell that because it's a bit complex. David.emsley, Emsley is E-M-S-L-I-E, at Novaluxled, N-O-V-A-L-U-X-L-E-D, dot lighting. It's a new domain. It's not a .com or a .co.uk. It's a .lighting, L-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. Next week, I'll report on the Sustainable Best Practice Exchange and tell you more about the Sustainable Best Practice Mastermind Group and how to get on the waiting list. This is an invitation-only mastermind and coaching group for executives wanting to build growing, profitable and green businesses. The next edition of the Sustainable Futures Report will look at floods in Karachi, the latest word from the UK Committee on Climate Change, what Bernie Sanders thinks about renewable energy, how Tata Steel has made money out of climate taxes, wireless power developments at the University of Washington, and the effects of a recent US court case on the whole climate change debate. And somebody asked me once how I find enough material to write a sustainability podcast every week. Well, Alex, it's not the content I'm short of, it's the time. I'm always grateful for comments, suggestions and ideas. Contact me, mail at anthony-day.com. And you can find the text version of most of these episodes at Anthony Day, without any dash or hyphen in it, anthonyday.blogspot.com. This is Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report, and there'll be another next week. Bye for now. Thank you.